Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here, of course, and we have another special guest. We have Ben Beacon, the site expert of Dunking with Wolves, a fan site, and he's the podcast host of Locked on Wolves. Ben, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super excited to talk to you, Ben. We've kind of been cycling through the teams lately. We've had site experts slash contributors on from, you know, Rip City Project, Blue Man Hoop, and Air Alamo. We're kind of looking at different potential Ben Simmons trade destinations as as that saga eventually comes to a head it seems inevitable at this point so we're here obviously today to talk to you about the wolves we're very excited about that and and let's just jump right into it ben simmons very clearly very openly on the trade block minnesota has been one of the teams most connected to ben there have been reports explicitly stating that minnesota really wants ben so how are fans reacting to that embracing the thought of ben simmons on that team what's the general vibe there yeah, I mean, I would say it's solidly in favor, um, you know, and obviously I'm, I guess, now speaking on behalf of the general fan sentiment. I would say it's 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 solidly in favor of a trade for Ben Simmons. There's maybe a little bit more hesitancy than than I would like there to be among the Timberwolves fan base. Uh, I mean, if you take, you know, Ben Simmons is a consensus. We'll call him top 25 player. You could argue he's top 20, uh, certainly top 30, right? So you take almost any top 30 player, which would mean that he could, you know, uh, he could be the best player on any given team, right? Um take a random top 30 player of any year and, and ask, you know, a fan base, would you like to have a top 30 player? And and they're going to say yes, but for some reason, well, I know the reason, right? It's the way the playoffs finished last year. It's, it's some of the limitations that Simmons has in his game that has, I guess, caused people to pause. So there's maybe a little bit more hesitancy. It's, it's the whole, you know, well, what do we have to give up? But, you know, not if we have to give up X, Y, or Z, um, but generally speaking, I think Timberwolves fans would be ecstatic to add, you know, you add another top 30 player to a top 30 player in Carl Anthony Towns, and uh, you're immediately up 
probably not just a playoff team, but a top four team in the West. So generally speaking, it's positive. It's, it's, you know, people are for the idea of a trade. Um, there's just uh, maybe a little bit more apprehension than, than uh, there should be. I'm surprised to hear you say that there is apprehension, uh, you know, because Timberwolves, Minnesota is not a free agent destination. Correct. It, it, it's not. It's probably one of the worst free agent destinations. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful yeah. way, just from That's true. realistic. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then so when you look about how you guys have gotten your all stars in the past, Garnett was drafted. Mm-hmm. Kevin Love was drafted. Cat was drafted. And I'm going to say this. I think there's a good chance that Edwards can be an all-star too. Yep. It's all draft. You traded for Wiggins, not an all-star. You traded for, you who could go down the list, honestly. Well, I think you've named, you've named, I guess Jimmy Butler uh, would be the only other. Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Would be the, yeah. You traded for Butler and we'll get into that later for sure. Cause that was a whole entire saga that we benefited from. Yeah. Um, but my point is, is that it's it, the best way for you guys to get an all-star is either draft at the top three or four in the draft, yep, or you trade for one. You you guys aren't going to be drafting in the top four. You guys are building a court to where it's too good to do that again, right? So now you're going to have to trade for one. Yep, and nope. the fan base. This is the only all-star that is currently available. Trust me, because if if he wasn't, then he would probably have already been traded. So I don't under, I mean, I understand the apprehension, but at the same time, you guys haven't seen the playoffs since Butler, but before then it was like literally 2006. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. No one, one time yeah. 17 years. Trust me. I, I know that. I know the numbers. Um, yeah, I, you're right. A hundred percent. And I agree. Um, and, and that's kind of what I, what I say to Timberwolves fans who express some apprehension about it. It's like, well, you know, I, I like literally you scroll through, uh, you know, Twitter mentions, whatever. And people are saying, oh, well, you know, what happens in playoff? That was always the thing with Ricky Rubio, right? Like, what do you do with Ricky Rubio in the playoffs? And it's like, well, the Wolves never made the playoffs with Ricky Rubio. So it never became an issue. Um, same thing, like make the playoffs once in 17 years. I mean, Timberwolves fans, if they're being honest, would gladly take a second round exit. Um, I mean, right? Like, of course, the Wolves The Wolves have been to the second round one time in playoff in, in franchise history in over 30 years, 32 years. One time they've been past the first round. So I think it's crazy to say like, you know, and I think I don't think there's really any fans out there that would say no at no cost would I take Ben Simmons. And I think we'll get into some, you know, potential packages here shortly. But um, depending on the cost, I think that's where people are like, ah, you know, I really like the core we have. I really like Towns and Edwards and I don't want to break up the core that that the Timberwolves have um, because there is and there's something to be said for that. But uh, anytime you can trade a somewhat unknown commodity, in this case being you know, players who could develop later into stars for a known commodity, like a top 25, top 30 player. I mean, front office 101 would say that you do that. And that, and I think this fits that bill. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there are teams out there who have been thrown around in the Simmons stuff where maybe you could understand some hesitancy from the fan base, like San Antonio, Cleveland, teams like that, Toronto, where maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense on paper. You can sort of get it. But like with Minnesota, the clit is the, the fit is pretty obvious. Like Cat is probably the perfect big man to pair with Ben. He's one of the best shooters in the league as a seven footer. Edwards takes a lot of that half court creation burden off of Ben. Delo can do that too. Like like it's a pretty perfect fit on paper for Ben and what his game can and should be. So I, I, I agree. I think there should be a pretty 
high degree of optimism about that potential trade if you're a Wolves fan. I think it's a deal that I would be really happy with, um, potentially. And and let's let's talk about what Minnesota might be willing to give up. You mentioned that he's a top 25, 30 player. That doesn't seem to be what his trade value is indicative of right now. Um, Maury's trying to get it there. If he goes into the season and plays with the team for a little bit, maybe it gets back there. But right now, his his trade value is probably lower than it should be. What are some players that you think Minnesota would be willing to give up? Yeah, I mean, it's still obviously you have to give up something to get something right. And um, the Wolves, I think, would be willing to trade – Uh, You know, certainly Malik Beasley, who uh, a year ago, people were worried that the contract he was getting paid would be an overpay. And now it kind of looks like a bargain based on how he played before his injury and and the suspension last year. But he's healthy. He's, uh, you know, done with the off the court stuff, hopefully. And uh, I mean, he's a 20 point a game scorer. So they're willing to trade him um, in in this type of a deal. I think if push came to shove, they would be willing to trade D'Angelo Russell, who is on a max contract, but only has two years left on the deal. And is still not yet in his prime. Um, Obviously, he's been a one time all star. He could score, he could shoot with anybody, but um, there's concerns mostly about his defense and also fit depending on the roster he's on. Those would be the two probably most valuable pieces that have contracts, uh, you know, if you get into matching the salaries. The other piece that has a ton of trade value that they'd be willing to trade would be Jaden McDaniels. He was a rookie last year, uh, was the number 28 pick in the draft, was a lottery talent going into last college basketball season. He was a five-star recruit, was seen as a likely lottery pick, and then had a had a tough time in the Pac-12 conference play last year and slid to the end of the first round. But he was a fantastic two-way player last year, could defend, could, you know, he was a low-usage guy offensively, but shot the three well enough. And I think he has the talent, the upside, I certainly starter upside. Uh, he may start for the Wolves this year, barring a trade. Um, and, you know, he probably has star upside. So I would say those three are the are the combination of guys, and, and maybe not all together, so almost certainly not all together because of the salaries for Beasley and Russell, but those three are, are the best assets the Wolves would be willing to trade. And then obviously anybody who you'd consider beneath them on the depth chart, they would be open to moving in a deal if they could land Ben Simmons. Hey, guys. Ever been trimming downstairs and cut yourself? Not a good feeling at all. The question is, how can you prevent pain and discomfort while grooming yourself? Well, I'm here to remind you about Manscaped. With their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, it features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawn Mower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And it's even waterproof so that you can trim in the shower. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and handle your trimming needs in a convenient and safe way by going to manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com right now for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. And now... Back to the podcast. So what you're saying is Ben Simmons is worth three of your starters. That's that's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. I mean, um, but I also agree with, with the premise that his trade value is lower than it should be. Certainly for a top mm-hmm. twenty five, top thirty player. Oh yeah, definitely. It's definitely lower than it should be. And you ask, what do you do with Ben on in the playoff game? Well, let him play defense. Let him facilitate in the fast break. Him and Edwards in the fast break it would be absolutely deadly. Let him play in the dunker spot. That's fine. Towns can stretch the floor. We we know this. He's he's in terms of offensive versatility, in terms of scoring, him and Embiid are one and two. 
Jokic third. Yeah. It's a very close race for those top three in terms of offensive versatility. Mm-hmm. Um, Cat does have a post-up game. It's just that he's not allowed to use it. Well, he doesn't want to use it, and that's fine. Well, yeah. I, I would say I would actually say uh, real quick, just interjecting mm-hmm. there. You're yeah. correct. Under Ryan Saunders, the year plus that he was coaching the Timberwolves, Towns' post usage went down. When Chris Finch took over last year in uh, late February, early March, mm-hmm. his post usage went way back up. Chris Finch coached Jokic for a year in Denver. He coached Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins. He was the offensive coordinator in, in New Orleans when those guys were mm-hmm. together. He wants to use Towns mostly in the mid post, but he also got more low post touches at the end of last year too. So mm-hmm. he will be in the post in the Wolves' offense this year, and they're going to use him in not just on the perimeter, not just in the high post, not just in the low post. I think they're going to mix it all in, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the reasons why Simmons, who can obviously be an elite cutter and, and can also pass as well as anybody in the league, really, mm-hmm. is, such, like you said, such a great fit. Yeah, no, I, I think the fit is obvious. And so he's worth three of your starting caliber players. I don't think that's a terrible starting point. It's just the who the starters are. Mm-hmm. that I'm not thrilled about. I like Malik Beasley. He can score it up. That's great. D'Angelo Russell, he can also score it up. But the within the flow of the offense and how he fits with other players is questionable, like you said. McDaniels, raw prospect. Like him a lot. Still needs a lot of growth. Um, yeah. My, and, sorry, sorry go, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say that, and that's that's the issue, right? It, it is, yeah. do the Wolves have... But, you know, are is some combination of, you know, two of those three plus mm-hmm. picks enough to get it done. And we all I mean, you guys know it is better than anybody. Philadelphia it was the number one seed in the East last year. So Sixers are not trying to get a bunch of draft picks for Ben Simmons. They're trying to win. So the question is, can you know, what are the other offers out there? And, and can uh, some combination, two of those three guys plus picks or it doesn't need to be a third team, whatever. What greases the wheels to get it done? It's definitely going to be a third team. But Chris, do you want to chime in? Yeah, um, I, I don't have too much more to add to that. Um, I mean, Shane McDaniels is a rock star. I, I like him quite a bit. I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. I I'm I probably prefer Beasley to Russell, um, just based on contract and skill set. Like like Ben, is there is there a pitch you can make to me on D'Angelo Russell? Because I'm I'm frankly not the biggest fan in the world. Do you? Do yeah, you he's he's he not. Could... <laughs> Yeah, he's a he's a really polarizing player, and I say that as somebody who I mean he's only spent what a dozen or so I think sixteen games with the Wolves before the COVID nineteen uh, interruption, and then last year he rough, he played roughly half the season because of injuries. Um, he's really polarizing. There's people that think he is a bona fide All Star, should have been an All Star more than once, whatever, and then there's people that that can't stomach the the idea of him being one of the top players on their team. The way I the way I put it is there there is a there's a role for D'Angelo Russell where he's really successful. You're not going to, you could probably, I guess the Nets were a playoff team a couple of years ago with, with him as their best or second best player. You're not going to be a contender with him as your second best player. And that's a problem because he's getting paid max money. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually really like his fit with Joel Embiid. I think uh, if the Sixers still have, you know, if Matisse Thibel's still there, if you have another, uh, you know, another perimeter defender or two, and you can help cover his deficiencies on that end of the floor. Um, He's he's really valuable offensively and that he can get his own shot basically whenever he wants, but he's also such a good catch and shoot uh, long range shooter. And so this year, I think the Wolves plan is, again, barring a trade, I think he plays off the ball a lot more and he can shoot, you know, 39 percent from three in catch and shoot situations. And and uh, you play him off the ball. He's your secondary playmaker. And I think he can be um, really dynamic. And I think, and, you know, Embiid can cover some of those deficiencies on the defensive end of the floor. If you get him to at least play hard defensively. 
he can be a plus player for you. Uh, the problem is, is that if he's struggling defensively and he gets you know, under Saunders, him and Ryan Saunders butted heads and he would occasionally just get tunnel vision. There was a game last year where out of eight, it was a close game in the fourth quarter out of eight possessions, Russell seven times took a shot without passing the ball. And Edwards touched the ball one time in the entire fourth quarter. This was early in the season when Edwards was still struggling, but clearly that's not how it was supposed to be drawn up. And Russell just got this tunnel vision. Like I can be the guy, but um, if you, if you rein him in and he plays within the flow of the offense, he can be a clear plus player. And I think you can win with him as your third best player. Um, but I don't think Daryl Morey wants him as the centerpiece of a Simmons deal. No, I don't. I, yeah. I, I agree as well. If but he did, my, it would probably question, be done already. Yeah. My, my question for you is how do you feel about him as a playmaker? Cause obviously if he comes to the Sixers, he would have to be the, you know, primary point guard in that regard. Mm-hmm. Do you think he can be a, point guard not i mean i agree that his best role is as a secondary playmaker but can he be a point guard for a title contending team and facilitating the offense or is he more of a score first type guy i think with the right coach and the right offense yes but those are a couple of pretty big ifs and and i don't i can't speak well enough to the sixers and whether or not that would work great um i I, I do I agree with what you just said. I, I do think his best roles as your secondary playmaker. And the problem is that he can't guard two guards, right? I mean, he's not a good mm-hmm. defensive player. And so it's just like he's such a unique player. He's a fantastic passer when he's into it. And he's great in the pick and roll. He's such a good mid-range shooter, a very good three-point shooter. He doesn't get to the basket, which limits you a little bit. Um, in some ways, he's the exact opposite of, of Simmons in that regard, where he only shoots the ball outside the paint. Um, and uh, so... I, I like the fit with Embiid in theory, but I think it really matters who the other guys are uh, on the floor at the same time. And I don't, I wouldn't feel great about him being the guy at point guard um, on like, say a championship contender. Now I say that. And of course the, in a perfect world, I'd love to get Ben Simmons without trading D'Angelo Russell, because I actually think they'd work really well together um, in covering each other's deficiencies. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I think that they would work well together. And the, the, the I guess now we can probably, and Chris, I don't know. Did you want anything else to add to that? No, I mean, I, I, I think Russell's good. Like he's, I'm not saying he's a bad player, right? Like clearly he's very talented. He had a great run in Brooklyn and all the things you mentioned, Ben, great shot creator, great shooter in general, a lot of offensive talent, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to like the centerpiece of a Ben trade, uh, it does get me hung up a little bit. Um, but I, I think this is a nice segue we're going to talk here about the players who Minnesota would keep off the table. One of the first like trades I read that was pitched right after the playoffs when we got started talking about whether Ben would be with the team next year was from Mike O'Connor, and I believe the rights to Ricky Sanchez. And he's like, why don't Philly and Minnesota just swap Ben and Anthony Edwards? Why That deal makes sense for both sides. Right now, it seems like Edwards is pretty firmly off the table. Um, at least from Minnesota's perspective, it doesn't seem like they'd be willing to do that. Why is that? Do you think that's warranted? Would you be up for that swap if, if it was just roughly like Edwards plus salary filler? What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, actually, I'm pretty confident I wrote an article back in January of this year for Dunking with Wolves where I actually pitched that. It was probably right at the start of some of the rumblings about Simmons maybe being available, um, or I guess it was on the heels of the James Harden stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, I had written something where I suggested that because Edwards was quite honestly terrible his first six <laughs> to eight weeks in the league. And I didn't like him as a draft prospect and I'll, I'll own up to that all day. 
you know, last year I was very worried about there being, I don't want to rehash the whole thing, but basically that he was Andrew Wiggins, but, but smaller. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, not an efficient shooter, a poor defender, doesn't always play hard, uh, spotty handle, um, all that stuff. And, you know, uh, put up big numbers on a, I guess he played on a bad college team. Wiggins played on a good one, but there were some similarities there. And so I was deathly afraid of, of Edwards as a prospect. So I was actually campaigning for the Wolves to trade the number one overall pick last offseason for like, you know, John Collins or something like that. Uh, and then when uh, Edwards had a rough start to the season, I wrote an article saying, hey, I'd trade him now as part of a bigger deal for for Ben Simmons, if possible. Uh, so if if this was January, maybe even February, me, I say, absolutely make that trade make it work obviously you got to throw a bunch more salary in there but you know make it happen sitting here today i would not do the deal um and mm. it it yes it's certainly i guess recency bias or whatever we want to call it in, in some sense but edwards was i mean if you take his like arbitrarily like march 1 to the end of the season which was mid may this year he you could stack his numbers up against all stars and he was I mean, his effective field goal percentage was like 56%. He was just crazy from everywhere on the floor, getting to the free throw line. He's still bad defensively, but offensively was so good. And he's he is still 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think the Ben Simmons, the way the season finished for Simmons, it's impossible to ignore that. And while I think it's overplayed and it's become this crazy like meme kind of narrative now, but like, I don't know, you can't ignore what happened at the end of the season for either of those players. And so... Anthony Edwards now league wide. I don't think there's any question. He's got greater trade value than Ben Simmons. And a lot of that is of course, contract and, and all that stuff. But the ceiling for Anthony Edwards is legit superstar. Um, and, and that to me would be the reason, like, even if Simmons is, um, is a top call him top 25 player, Edwards is a top, I don't know, 80, 85 player. And he could make a leap to top 50 very quickly. Yeah. You bring up some really good points here. And, I've, I I don't know if I said it on the podcast here or if I was just talking with Chris and Uriah off air, but um, I've said that I think Anthony Edwards can become the face of the franchise, which means he can become a better player than Cat. And I think, and the reason why is I think they're both gifted offensive players, and I think they'll probably be near the same level. But defensively is where I think. Edwards still has room to grow. And I think he can and will grow. I think that's not an issue there. Um, And I understand the hesitancy. And I actually, I think I recall the article that you wrote Mm -hmm. uh, looking, thinking about it now. Um, But overall, yeah, I I understand why fans won't do it now. I mean, in a perfect world that Sixers would do that deal in a second. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's not clearly on the table. Yeah. <laughs> and and defensively, I mean, on the one hand, Towns has less far to go to become a good defender. Like he was when he was healthy last year, he was actually pretty average. That kind of got lost in the yeah. shuffle because he was hurt so much. But mm-hmm. he's improved defensively and he's obviously not of the same stratosphere as Embiid defensively. And I'm not talking about all defensive team, but if he's above average defensively, I mean, he's a top 15 player, no question about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has less far to go also as a big man. I would argue he's uh, at least what his role is going to be in the Timberwolves defense. I I just think he can achieve that easier. Now, as for Edwards, the narrative this offseason from the coaching staff has been pretty consistently, hey, he does whatever we ask him to do. There was one game where Chris Finch literally said, and Finch said this in an interview a few weeks ago, we told him, hey, go out and get seven rebounds tonight because you haven't rebounded the ball well enough. And he got exactly seven rebounds. He's 
he's, I mean, remember he's 19 years old last year. So he is taking very literally everything the coaching staff is telling him. And they said, Hey, start jumping passing lanes and get steals. And noticeably he was doing that and he was often out of position and he wasn't a good defender overall. But as, as he starts to learn, he's got the athletic ability and you know, the, the, uh, the want to, to just go do whatever he's told. And he's just going to keep getting better. He also literally grew this summer. He was six foot four last year. He's now According to the Timberwolves, according to Chris Finch, he's six foot six. And if that's the case, I mean, now there's no issue with putting him at the three alongside Malik Beasley. Um, and if he's six six, he continues to improve his three point shot. He improves defensively. I mean, the Timberwolves would be crazy to trade him um, after one season. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's absurd. I think there's logic to the idea there's still a good chance that Edwards never quite reaches where Ben is at, which sure. as he said, is like a top 30 player. Yeah. The defensive issues, while I agree are solvable and Edwards seems like he has the work ethic to solve them. There, there's, it's still a concern, mm-hmm. but given where the Wolves timeline is right now, I, I, I agree. I mean, he, he was the number one pick for a reason. I'm, I'm with you. I didn't have him top five. I don't think on draft night, like, yeah. I wasn't the biggest at, and I go to UGA. So if anyone should have been an Edwards guy, it was me. <laughs> um, but overall, I, I agree. I mean, I, I wouldn't trade him if I was Minnesota either. Uh, yeah. he, he was so good after the All-Star break. Um, he was. And, and you're right. I mean, that, and, and I'm, I, you know, go back in my history at Ducky with Wolves or at Lockdown Wolves, and I'm, I'm almost always on the side of trade the unknown for the known commodity. And Edwards is in a vacuum. He is not as good as Ben Simmons. It's not close. But final two-month Anthony Edwards last year and final two-month Ben Simmons is pretty close uh, in very different ways. And then you add in the fact that Edwards is still so, you know, the Wolves extensions and everything have years and years of control um, contract-wise. Like, there's just so much room to grow. And if he becomes adequate defensively, mm-hmm. I mean, he's already going to be arguably as good or better than Andrew Wiggins next year. Um, and that that's the comparison that I was making and that a lot of Timberwolves fans were making a year ago. I, I'd pretty comfortably say he's better right now. Uh, yeah, I'd say he's he's better right now. And they're actually um, the way they play in the NBA is not that similar. The way they played in college was, um, but but yes, the mentality is different. There's there's a lot of differences uh, now that we've seen him up close in, in the NBA. Yeah, yeah I think and, I'm I'm oversimplifying it to put it this way. But if if you look at the players that teams are building contenders around in the modern NBA, it's mm-hmm. much closer to Anthony Edwards than it is to Ben Simmons. Yes. Not to say Ben can't be the second or third guy on a championship team. I think he can in the right setting, but Edwards is like that guy and a potentially elite perimeter creator, which is what every contender needs to start with basically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Let, let, let's talk hypothetically here. Let's say Ben does get traded to Minnesota. It's probably, you know, Malik Beasley, Jane McDaniels and picks. What's the fit like there? How would he fit into Chris Finch's system? You mentioned that they're going to use Cat in all sorts of different spots on the floor next year. How does Ben fit there? Yeah, I think um, I go back to a little bit, and this is there's differences here, but I go back to when Chris Finch was in New Orleans. He was there for three or four years um, and was their associate head coach and offensive coordinator, and, and they, for roughly a year before injuries took hold, had both DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. And and obviously those guys were both much more talented and are much more talented offensively in terms of scoring the ball than Ben Simmons. Um, but 
they ran a lot of horns sets with both guys at the elbows. They did some creative things there with, you know, high, low. Um, and I think the wolves would do that with Simmons and, and, uh, and towns. Um, they did that a little bit at the end of last year anyway, with towns and a little bit with Nas Reed, who's their backup center. And, and uh, I think we'll, we'll play a little bit of four this year, but I, there's just so much more. It's so dynamic. The idea of having Simmons and towns, high, low passing or, or whatever they might, you know, running horn sets and then having D'Angelo Russell spotting up outside the arc or, you know, uh, well, I guess maybe he's involved in a trade. So maybe it's Anthony Edwards, you know, cutting, dumping the ball into the post and cutting to the basket or running pick and roll out of that set. Um, I just think the Simmons as a passer, you mentioned earlier in the open floor, uh, Simmons and Edwards in the open floor with Towns running, um, who can also run the fast break. He's a good enough dribble, you know, ball handler and passer to do that. It'd be terrifying. Um, and so offensively, he fits one of those one of those post type roles where he could he could be you know the uh, the other post player with Towns uh, in those sets, and you have whoever you don't trade, whether it's Russell or Beasley, um, or uh, or maybe it's simply um, Anthony Edwards as kind of your your the key guy running the offense, and um, you could do all kinds of things out of that. Uh, and the versatility that he has, the length that he has, the athleticism um, would allow the Timberwolves to to do a lot of different things. And and I think I think Chris Finch is very creative. We're going to see a lot of that in his first full season as head coach. I mean, he barely got to practice last year being hired midseason. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of a lot of fun things I think they could do. I kind of see that in a similar role, too. I don't think we're going to see point guard Ben Simmons. I think power forward Ben Simmons. And yeah. that's. I think that's for the best, to be honest. Um, Brett Brown tried to do it before he got fired. Just Ben got injured before we really got to see the fruits of that. I think that him in the power forward position might make give him a little less, you know, mental pressure for, you know, trying to take the occasional outside shot. You know, who knows what will happen. Or maybe just a fresh new scene. Um who yeah, knows? But and, and I think he'll get the opportunity certainly to run the fast break and, and things because the the in that in that sort of an offense right if it's so say both russell i think it's unlikely both russell and beasley are traded i think it's probably one of them plus mcdaniels um but so you know say one of them's on the team and then you've also got uh you've also got edwards you've really got five guys on the floor there or probably at least four out of five whoever's playing the other forward spot that can initiate offense. And so I think he would get his opportunity to do that. Um, but I think they would use him more as a playmaking post, which is what they're going to do with towns, which is put him in the high post, put him in the mid post, let him pass or, you know, get to the basket and then everybody else can shoot. And so he can operate down there. You mentioned earlier, putting him in the dunker spot. The wolves have experience doing this with um, nowhere near the caliber of player, but Josh Akogi has no offensive game, but he's good enough defensively. Um, the Wolves made the mistake last year. Ryan Saunders, when he was head coach, would let Akogi stand in the corner. Team said, great, you're a 30% three-point shooter from the corners. We'll let you do that. Finch becomes head coach. He says, we're going to treat you like a power forward offensively, whereas defensively, you'll still guard opposing guards. But on offense, you're going to, you're going to, you know, play at the elbow and horn sets. You're going to play in the dunker spot. We're going to hide you. And the Wolves could also choose to do that with Simmons uh, down the stretch in, in close games if they need his defense on the floor. Um, and I think that would fit with what they're trying to do offensively still. I don't think it would be, you know, I don't think it would stick out like a sore thumb or anything. I think it would actually work. I I, I agree. Again, as I mentioned earlier, they're, of the teams that have been thrown around in, in the Ben Simmons rumors, not many are a cleaner fit than Minnesota. And, and I mean, the reports seem to, um, you know, go along with that in that Minnesota seems to want more than a lot of these other teams. Um, 
I think there's a pretty clear reason for that, other than just wanting to take the next step competitively with Cat. It's that they're they're a pretty great pairing, and plus, it doesn't hurt that Ben and D'Lo and Cat are all friends. Like to have a trio of stars that you have locked up long term, who are all buddies, is is a pretty good way to build out a locker room and start to get a culture going. So, I I, I think that would help. Um, obviously, there's a question of buy-in with Ben. He hasn't really been given the chance to play off ball in Philly consistently. Um, but when he has, has he like bought into, you know, cutting and playing these roles? Not really. He's been pretty hard headed about being a point guard in the past. I think that may be a concern for other teams, but when you have Edwards, presumably Dilo still on the team cat, like there's a certain point where he's just going to have to get used to playing it in a different role. If he's going to go to a different team, I think they can make it work. You mentioned Chris Finch's creativity. Um, seems to be like the right guy to maybe unlock Ben, whereas Brett Brown and Doc Rivers are a lot of good things. They aren't particularly creative, so I, I, it seems like a good fit to me. Um, but for you, Ben, what, what are some other players, assuming this trade takes up multiple roster spots, if it's Beasley and McDaniels, there'd probably be a second player involved from Philly's perspective. Are there any other players on the Sixers roster, probably further down the depth chart that you're looking at saying, Hey, maybe Minnesota can nab this guy too. Anyone pop to mind? Yeah. I mean, for me, it, it's uh Matisse Thibel. And I, I know that he, on his contract and what he brings to the Sixers, they're not going to be excited at the prospect of trading him, but depending on what ends up coming back the Sixers way, um, if this ends up being a three-team deal, which, like you mentioned, might be likely at this point, uh, if they could somehow get him, I mean, more defense is better when your best players, if they still have D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards isn't good defensively, it'd be great to have a little more defense. Um, I also think uh, uh, Shake Milton is another player that I think could be valuable. Again, he's a valuable player because of his contract, but he, the Wolves are still going to need outside shooting. They're going to need um, you know, guys that can play both ways, and I think he's intriguing. Um, those are probably the two. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Chris would love you guys to take shake Milton. <laughs> throw that out there. Well, I think, I think it works. Um, I also, you know, I, you guys would know better than me, but from all the rumors out there about Tyrese Maxey and is he, is this somehow a package deal? I think if it's a three team deal, it's more likely he goes somewhere else. But, um, if it becomes a package deal, I mean, I'm sure Patrick Beverly ends up in Philadelphia, whatever that ends up looking like down the road. Wouldn't mind that. I liked him as a prospect and he was obviously good as a rookie. So um, those are probably the three names if I had to pick three. Yeah. Um, I, I think Philly would be pretty, at least the fans would be pretty definitively against giving up Matisse and Tyrese. Um, a, because their names rhyme and, and B, because I, I think they're quite good. I, I think Maxi, at least to me, is like considerably the most valuable prospect of the name you mentioned like I, right. I the clutch stuff um the, the i think it's jason dumas who reported that initially he retracted that it doesn't seem like clutch wants him out of philly there's pushing for that so that being the case i don't see any reason for the sixers to try to trade him um i mean i think he can be a starting caliber guard within a year or two yeah. um his just the degree of improvement last season for him somewhat similarly to edwards on a much smaller scale like Maxi got so much better within the span of one year in a year where they didn't have summer league. They didn't really have training camp. It was a shortened year. Um, I mean, it's just super impressive for a guy who's 19, 20 years old. So I, I think there's a lot of confidence there in the fan base and in the organization that he's going to continue to get better. Thibault too, like 
the dude led the team in steals and blocks, playing 20 minutes a night. He made second team all defense, playing 20 minutes a night. If if it's like pieces for Ben Simmons and they aren't trading up, they aren't trading for like a better player. I can't imagine they have to give up someone like that. But I, I think Maxi for me would be like the most firmly off the table. Yeah, and and I don't think I I'm of any delusion that the Wolves are necessarily like if if say the Wolves are doing this without giving up Edwards or Towns, which is obviously their goal. Um, I, I don't. I'm not so delusional to think that they actually will get something else of value from Philly, but um, you never know. I mean, if, if there's additional teams involved and if this becomes a much bigger deal, then, then yeah, then I think that's how that could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that obviously those two guys, they're, they're off the table. Um, if I was Minnesota outside of those two, a guy that I think I would want. Sorry. No, no, I was thinking about him just to tease you, Chris. But no, uh, I was like, I was actually thinking Isaiah Joe, and the reason why is because they they need two way wings in Minnesota because mm-hmm. you either got shooters or you have defenders. You don't yes. have both in Minnesota. Isaiah Joe, though young, has the potential to be both, and he's already clearly a good shooter. You know, defensively he he's thin, but he's he's capable and smart enough to play the position and well. So I would say probably you would want to go after Isaiah Joe as a low-key target. Um, yeah, I, I liked him during the draft process. I, I think that and, – and it also fits with the team that's going to be really capped out to have somebody who's going to be on that you know, second-round deal. And um, you know, it would be easy to add him in as, a, as an extra piece to the deal. Mm-hmm. I, sure. I, I, I joke about Paul Reed, but like legitimately, I think if Minnesota could get him, like he'd be in the rotation next year. Like I – Paul Reed's a good player, and I, I've been on, like, the Paul Reed as a center train for a while, but he'd be playing next to Cat a lot, and I think that's one of those situations where it works. Um, Minnesota's defense obviously gets a lot better once you put Ben Simmons in it, but it's been a problem uh, for the past few years. Reed's not going to fix it, but in 15, 20 minutes a game off the bench, Reed's already a ridiculously talented defender who just creates a lot of havoc for opposing offenses. He can hit a few threes. He shot 44% on like four attempts a game in the G League. Like he can shoot. I, I think Reed's a legit player who maybe isn't going to get the chance he deserves in Philly because of Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and the like. So if I'm Minnesota and I can't get Matisse or Maxi or Shake, I think Reed's more valuable than Shake. They'll get Shake. They could get Shake easily. Shake's. Uh, a warm body to contribute yeah. in trade. Not saying that I, I, you know, I'm I'm more high on Shake than Chris, but in actuality, if you're getting a point guard back in this deal, you can afford to send Shake somewhere else. Yeah, and I I like Paul Reed too. The Wolves just spent um I don't know what was it 17 million on Jared Vanderbilt over the next three years, and there's similarities there. Yeah. I think yeah, uh, he's I like Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah, he's a good. He's a real good energy. You know, switchable. Uh, four that can guard threes and fives and rebound a little bit. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's basically the role he would play. So I think if the Wolves were picking, they would probably actually go with Shake Milton just be, just because of the the shooting ability, right? Um, even if it is average, you know, averagey, um, the Wolves will take average and above shooting all day long uh, to put around Cat and in this in, in the event of this trade, Ben Simmons. I mean, they just need more, more whatever above average shooting they can take or that they can get. 
And let's talk about the past between the Timberwolves and the Philadelphia 76ers because there, it's a little bit uh, interesting one here. Obviously, more recent history would be the Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, the original trade happened in 2018, and the Sixers sent Dario Saric, Robert Covington, Jared Bayless, and I believe, what was it, uh, two second rounders? Or a second rounder? I think it was just one. Yeah, one yeah, second rounder yeah. for Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton. So, let me ask you this. What was the climate of the franchise and the fan base during the Butler years? Well, the, the Butler years was really, it was what one season and then the tumultuous fall slash start to the following season. So, um, I mean, the year Butler was in Minnesota, there were no issues. Uh, you know, there was no reason to think he was unhappy. None of that stuff came out till after the season. Um, and they were fourth in the Western conference when he tore his meniscus in Houston. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he came back, they squeaked into the playoffs with the win over, over young Jokic's nuggets in game 82, made the playoffs lost in five games to the Rockets in the first round. And the fact that uh, that the Wolves made the playoffs for the first time in 14 years was enough for everybody. Everyone was like, "Hey, we were in fourth. Like, healthy Butler next year. This team is is a top four team in the West." And and I don't. That wasn't a crazy thing. I mean, that was the normal projection at that point that that everybody was seeing. Mm -hmm. And then Butler at some point in the offseason gets mad about the Wiggins extension. Um, and he, he wasn't the only one. I speak for a lot of fans and saying that everyone was kind of like, uh, "Understand why you need to do it, but why are we rocking the boat here?" Um, and then things just kind of got out of whack. And so when the trade happened, there's certainly some similarities to the Simmons situation now in, you know, disgruntled player, the time of year, uh, et cetera. But the differences are obviously Butler had one year left on his deal. Simmons has four. Um, Simmons is a lot younger, if four or five years younger than Butler was at the time. Um, and, and also the reasons why they're disgruntled are a little bit different. Um, so it, it certainly isn't apples to apples, but what is similar is this thing dragging on the, uh, the trade value or the leverage, I guess, decreasing for the franchise. And so when the wolves ended up getting this deal done, there was a leaked, you know, rumored deal that was close with the heat, uh, which of course, ironically now that's where Jimmy is. Um, and I don't remember what it was, but I remember not liking it and being really glad it didn't happen. And then I liked the Philly deal more. Um, at the time, because I knew they didn't have much leverage and I knew that Jimmy could walk at the end of the year anyway. And so I understood that like, Hey, they're not going to get a bunch of picks for him. They're not going to get, you know, an all-star caliber player Covington. Everybody knew, you know, he's an analytics darling, a good two way player, good three and D guy. Um, and Sharch had some upside and the thought was he could be a great fit next to towns. And Rocco was basically as advertised. Uh, there were injury issues for a lot of the rest of the team and, and Sharch, was not as advertised and really, really struggled in Minnesota. And then the Wolves moved on from him in an ill-fated trade up to get Jarrett Culver the following year. Uh, Gerson Rosas, his first trade in charge of the Timberwolves. And uh, now, you know, obviously nobody from that trade is left in Minnesota. So it turned out to not be a very good return. But again, you're talking a, a top, you know, 12 player in the last year of his deal, uh, you know, 15 games into the season. So it, it looking back on it, it doesn't look great, but Remember, the Wolves didn't have very much leverage at the time either. So Philly got a great deal, um, but you know the Wolves kind of had to do with had had to deal with the hand they were dealt at that point, I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean, even yeah, looking back at it, it's somewhat crazy to think that that's what the price was for Jimmy Butler, even with one year on his contract and yeah. visible frustration, like 
James Harden's probably a level above him, but he just got like eight first round picks traded for him as a disgruntled star in the last couple years of his contract. So if, if if that Jimmy situation plays out now, I think Minnesota probably gets a little bit more back. I think even in the last few years, like teams have maybe changed their approach on that front. But yeah, I'm I'm a big Robert Covington guy, as Lucas and Uriah know. Like he's so much better than people give him credit for. I, I'm like a top 60, 70 NBA player kind of guy. Yeah, um, hey Chris, I, I like I like Roku. I have never, yeah, but I haven't said any. I haven't said anything bad about Roku. He's a two way player, not great out of three point shooting. The three point shooting is a little con- inconsistent, but the defense is there. And actually, if anything, I've been higher on his defense than you have. So no, you this, haven't. Yes, I as an on ball defender. Yes, I have. Okay, well, he's not a great on-ball defender. That's just the state of things. I mean, he's an all-world defender. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I agree. It, it's kind of absurd that that was the price for Jimmy, yeah. but you got to do what you got to do. Um, clearly, Butler was not going to be very happy for very long there. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah, it, and uh, in the wake of that, I mean, I, I was I intended to pull this up before jumping on, but um, the Wolves actually weren't, bad right after that trade i mean they were they were bad when they traded him because he was playing like every couple of days basically he played like like four of the first 10 games or something before they traded him that year but in the following like you know five or six weeks they were roughly 500 a little below 500 and then they fired tibbs and then there were injury issues and and um you know it went downhill from there but uh that was still like outside of jimmy butler that was the same team that was fourth in the west you know and obviously butler was the best player on the team but um i mean it's just so crazy that it fell apart so quickly um and then all of a sudden they're they're drafting first obviously they they won the lottery jumped ahead a little but um actually no i guess they did have the best odds to win the lottery but uh but just the fact that the bottom fell out so quickly in in the you know the the two years that followed yeah i mean like obviously you get rid of butler but there's been some misfortune with injuries, as you said, and, and the roster construction hasn't been great. But Cat, Cat's really freaking good. Like, mm-hmm. like you can build a winner around Carl Anthony Towns. He's he's a top 20, 25 guy in the league right now. Mm-hmm. He, he's probably a level above Ben Simmons, who we've been talking about as a guy who could get still a fair amount in return for a trade. Like, Cat's really good. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's not that hard to build a winner around him. Obviously, Minnesota has had some, some bad luck and maybe – um, fumbled a few opportunities, but the the recipe is there. It's Cat. He and now Edwards. Like like the recipe for success is there, mm-hmm. and it, it's just about capitalizing on it. For sure. And I, I guess I gotta ask, how do Timberwolves fans feel about losing out on prime Zach Levine? Because Zach Levine now is looking like one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA, and you know taking strides in other areas of his game as well. Do, do the do the fan does the fan base really feel like gosh maybe we should have just waited on Zach a little while longer? What, what's the thought process there? Uh, yeah, short answer is yes. Um, at the time, it was it was pretty split among fans. Like, hey, do, does Levine get traded? Do the Wolves trade Wiggins? Uh, the the idea of Tibbs trading for Butler was on the table. It had been talked about since the day Tibbs was hired in Minnesota, basically. And so the the debate was who ends up getting moved to Chicago. I was very much on record as saying Wiggins needs to go. Wiggins needs to go. There's been some conflicting reports in the media about if that was ever on the table. Um, if, if 
the Bulls said we want Levine and not Wiggins. It's unclear. Um, I, I think obviously they would they would make that known now whether or not it's true. Um, but at the time, Wiggins was, of course, the number one overall pick from a couple of years prior. He was about to get the contract extension. And the idea was he's got a higher ceiling than Levine, who was a no defense guy who had just torn his ACL. Um, but Levine was such so much more efficient than Wiggins. It really every bit the athlete um, and and a harder worker by all accounts. Um, and so, I mean, I really wanted the Wolves to keep Levine at the time, thinking that he could be the third or fourth best player. He could play with Jimmy. Um, and that's the other thing is, is the thought was Wiggins could be a better fit with Jimmy Butler because of his size um, and could play the three, whereas Levine's a two and so is Jimmy Butler in a perfect world. And so there's some redundancy there in terms of position. But if that's really the case, I think Tibbs was thinking too narrowly and, and not outside the box, which of course is nothing new for him. Um, but the that's that's kind of his mo, right? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I say that after he had a great year with the Knicks, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so so to answer your question, yes, I think Wolves fans, you know, now the flip side of this is, have the Bulls made the playoffs since the trade? No, they haven't. Now I know he was recovering from ACL and and took him a couple years as it usually does to get back to himself been gradually improving. They've had their own issues, but can you build a playoff team around Zach Levine? Um, I don't, I don't think you can. I think he can, you know, I don't think he's suddenly Devin Booker, right? I think there's a difference between those guys. Um, there's also a lot of differences with Phoenix's roster than Chicago's, but, um, all that to say, yeah, I, I would love to have had Levine in Minnesota. I think everything plays out differently. Maybe he's still there instead of D'Angelo Russell and the Wiggins. You know, uh, Wiggins would have obviously never been traded for D'Lo. Um, it's a fascinating what if. Yeah, and I mean, even going further, like it seems like one of Jimmy's biggest problems with Minnesota was Wiggins and his work ethic and that contract. Yeah. If they have Levine instead, maybe that plays out differently. Yeah, that's a great point because. I think they could have played together. I mean, Butler would have played the three um, and he would have covered the defensive issues. Levine wasn't that much worse of a defender than Wiggins. The eye test, everybody wanted to think that that was true because Wiggins looked like he should be a better defender, but that wasn't necessarily true. Um, He was, but not a lot better. Um, And and yeah, I mean, maybe Butler then gets the extension he wants and Levine doesn't get paid quite as much as he ended up getting paid in Chicago. And you've still got a a Towns Butler Levine nucleus. I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, I mean, Butler's played the three in both stops since Minnesota. Yeah. So that, that's pretty clearly on the table for mm-hmm. him. Um, yeah, it's just a fascinating uh, thought exercise. Um, obviously, I don't I don't know if they would have done better or they probably would have done worse because, like you said, Levine was recovering from an injury. So maybe that was the ultimate deciding factor because they wanted to compete now. Yes. Well, then, you know what I mean? And I, you know, but in the long term, you know, obviously, if you could have a core of Levine, uh, D'Lo, and, you know, I mean, you wouldn't be able to get Edwards because you'd be too good. But, you know, you could get D'Lo, you could have Levine. Well, they traded Wiggins for D'Lo, so you probably don't get D'Lo. Yeah, they probably don't have D'Lo, but, uh, but I mean, the rest of that roster at the time, though, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's still the same roster that they ended up adding Butler. They were good the following year, right? So you just mm-hmm. swap out those two guys, uh, and you in the rest of those moves probably still happen, right? They still probably sign Jeff Teague. They still probably sign Taj Gibson. Um, you know, the other kind of fringy moves that they get Jamal Crawford, all that stuff still happens. So it's the same scenario. You're just you're just changing out Levine for Wiggins. So you're right. In that season, they're maybe not quite as good. But they're probably still in the conversation for the playoffs. Um, you know, certainly if Butler doesn't get hurt, they would be. 
And then the following year, Butler's not upset. He resigns, and you've got healthy Levine with resigned Butler, and it's it's a completely different trajectory. For sure. But let's go, let's turn back the clock even further now. And we're going to go back to about 2006. And there's been a recent report coming out that's saying that among the teams that were interested in former fran- face of the franchise, Allen Iverson, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves were one of the potential uh, team bidding teams. And you actually wrote an article on it uh, on Dunking with Wolves. I would suggest people to, you know, check it out after listening to the podcast. But basically, you know, there was a strong chance that the Timberwolves could have paired Allen Iverson with Kevin Garnett. Um, so let me ask you, how do you think that impacts the, the Timberwolves if they could get AI with Garnett? <laughs> Yeah, it, another fascinating what if on a on a bigger scale. I mean, and when I was researching this, like it's not quite the same as as adding Iverson to 2004, you know, the 2004 Timberwolves that did go to the conference finals, the the only Wolves team to ever win a playoff series. Um, but this is still pretty close to Prime Garnett and pretty close to Prime Iverson, right? This is a couple years past both I think they're both like 30 31 at this point. Um and Garnett goes on to uh, be just a monster defensively and the best all-around player on the floor for the Celtics to win the title the following year. Uh, but if the Wolves were able to get Iverson, and apparently like there were real conversations, Iverson even said he was willing to go there. I mean, this team goes from a, uh, a team that just misses the playoffs to obviously a playoff team, somebody that would a team that would challenge for at least the conference finals in the West. And Garnett probably doesn't get traded that summer. So you at least get two more years out of Iverson and Garnett together on the wrong side of 30, but you're talking 50 win seasons. Uh, you know, it's another roll of the dice. Could we win a title? And I think the answer is the wolves would have been really good. They would have been a, maybe even gotten to the finals. It's far from a sure thing. They would have won a title with their best two players at that age and not really a third star to speak of at the point, at that point in time. Um, but you know, the downside of it as a huge Kevin Garnett fan is he probably doesn't win a title because he likely doesn't move on until later in his career and misses that window with the Celtics and that team doesn't come together. But it would have been so much fun to watch, you know, uh, Allen Iverson and Kevin Garnett together really kind of at the peak of their powers. Um, and and I think they would have been just actually a really good match on the court for that era as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I mean, I, I really don't have too much more to add to that. Obviously, um, Iverson and Garnett, even past their primes, were two pretty great players. I mean, Garnett's one of the five, six best players of the past two decades. Like, mm-hmm. like he's an all-timer. So um, I agree that it would have made Mini like a, a real contender um, in the West. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the Iverson years after Philly didn't quite go as people expected them to go. Maybe it's different in Minnesota. You you can never know. So it, it's an interesting thought exercise again. And yeah, that, that's about all I have. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a fun thought exercise. Um, and you talk about having a third star. They Back in that era, the Boston Celtics were the first team to have a quote unquote big three yeah. in that uh, that decade, I would say, at least. I mean, you've had other well, big threes prior to in that decade. Yeah, I mean, in that, yeah. decade. that was the first like. Hey, let's assemble a big three, like yeah. consciously, yeah, where it was yeah. called that. Because they, yeah. I think, I guess Pierce was already there, but the idea of Allen and Garnett coming to join Paul Pierce in the same mm-hmm. offseason, I think, was what made it feel different. 
Yeah, and Garnett didn't want to go until he saw that I, I, Allen went. So that was a yeah. fun little. Yeah, he. Exercise. I mean, the Wolves basically they tried to trade him earlier because they were like, "Hey, it's you know, this is in your best interest." And he didn't. I mean, he loyal to a fault was his thing, right? And mm-hmm. um, it, you know, I, I guess a couple of years prior when they did go to the conference finals, Sam Cassell and Latrell Sprewell, they did have Sprewell wasn't a star at that point, and mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, he was the third name on that team, right? And Cassell was like a legit second star. Uh, so, you know, I guess you could argue they had already traded Wally Zerbiak, I think, at this point. I believe they had just traded him to Boston um, the previous offseason or mm-hmm. the previous trade deadline. So they didn't have Zerbiak anymore. It was a really thin roster. And I wrote about this. It would have been tough to really pony up enough assets to make it happen, which I'm sure is why why it didn't happen. Um, so it would have been like rookie Randy Foy. Uh, maybe it's uh, Mike James just signed. You know, that was when he was decent. Uh, Ricky Davis was still, there was a thought like, hey, he's a 20 point a game guy. And I mean, what the Sixers ended up getting was Andre Miller and and, a, and some picks basically. So, I mean, it probably could have rivaled that. And it's not like the Sixers, like you said, I mean, they turned around and they were a pretty like 500-ish team, a little below 500 the next few years. So all knowing what we know now, I actually think the Wolves package with, like a Foy and a, a Ricky Davis would have not been that far off uh, if they added a bunch of picks to it. I mean, I don't know if the package was there. I mean, I think Iverson's value just wasn't at its peak because, you know, everybody knew he that that era was over. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, I mean, supporting cast, yeah. You, yeah obviously, Garnett did not have a, a great one at that point, and he just – he should have asked out after through 2005 to be honest. Um, but you know, he was loyal to fault there, but let me, let me ask you this now while on Garnett here, um, how does the fan base feel after, you know, he was traded to Boston, won a championship there, joined Brooklyn, you know, had miles success there, but then he finished his career as a mentor for cat on those like young Timberwolves team prior to the Butler trade. Yeah. So the how, how do people feel about it? Um, well, Garnett is still beloved in Minnesota. I mean, when when they reacquired him, when the late great Flip Saunders acquired him for, I mean, really, the trade itself wasn't good. He gave up Thaddeus Young and I, I believe maybe a second round pick even to get Garnett or maybe it was straight up at the deadline that year. And, and it was it was the idea of him being with this young team. And then they drafted Towns that offseason. When Garnett came back, it was the feeling was unbelievable for for Timberwolves fans. It was, hey, we can, you know, the bridges are going to be mended between between Garnett and Glenn Taylor, the owner. Um, and that was the thought process. And then 18 short months later, Flip Saunders gets sick tragically and dies. And apparently, you know, the the rift between Taylor and Garnett, which started when Taylor, you know, said some stuff about Garnett after trading him a few years prior came back up when Garnett felt like he was promised a share of ownership. Uh, long story short, uh, apparently it was never in writing. And when Flip Saunders passed away, that went with him. And so Garnett got mad again. The Timberwolves basically said, hey, we'd like you to retire. The Tib- And now Tibbs is running the front office. And and they were together in Boston, of course. Tibbs was an assistant under Doc Rivers there. But they apparently weren't like ready to work together in Minnesota. Garnett was upset with Taylor. And Garnett just kind of retired. And it was really unceremonious. There was no anything right there was no like send off um and there's been this kind of off and on you know garnett stuff over the past few years where could he get involved in ownership again could he uh you know be involved in some other way and now he's going to get his jersey retired in boston before he does in minnesota and that that feels wrong um 
But we also know Glenn Taylor is on on track to not be the majority owner uh, by the end of 2023. Mm -hmm. And so Garnett's jersey probably won't be retired until 2024 would be my guess. My guess is it's later that season. Um, Garnett, while he's loyal to a fault, he also can hold a grudge with the best of anybody. Um, ask, ask Ray Allen. Exactly. And he talks, he still has a house in Minnesota. He talks frequently about loving soda and the fans and everything. And, but he, uh, he even came to a game actually a couple of years ago, uh, to the, the night where they recognized Prince, they wore the jerseys. He was at a game courtside, even though Glenn Taylor is still obviously the owner, the majority owner, they were able to convince him like, Hey, this is important. But like, now there's this ownership stuff where he got uh, in his mind left out in the cold on, on becoming an owner again this time around. And so uh, my guess is it's 2024 before his jersey's retired. He's still beloved in Minnesota. He's arguably uh, the best, you know, Minnesota sports athlete of the past couple of decades. Um, probably not even arguably. And uh, I guess Randy Moss would be the only other one you could really talk about. Uh, and, I was going to say Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Too. Adrian Peterson, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I, I, it's just a, it's it's too bad. Um, and someday it'll be fine. I'm sure he'll end up joining the Alex Rodriguez, Mark Laurie group in a few years in some capacity, and we'll get involved. Hopefully not in the front office, but um, get involved in some way, and uh, you know get his get his due as uh, a Jersey retired and the whole thing in Minnesota. Um, I, I I don't have anything to add to that. Um, Lucas, how about you? I mean, you already touched everything because I was going to ask about you know the ownership stuff, but you've you've already touched on all of it now. So I think this would be a perfect spot for us to wrap it up, Chris. So if you just want to go ahead and uh, play us out, that I think that'd be great. Yeah, indeed. Um, Ben, thanks for coming on the pod, man. We really appreciate it. Um, if you want to let our followers know where they can follow you, you know, social media and the like, um, you know. The floor is yours. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, my Twitter handle is at bbeacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. And of course, over at Dunking with Wolves, I'm the site expert there and also the host of the Locked On podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, so be sure to check out Dunking with Wolves, subscribe and listen to Locked On Wolves wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Yeah, we recommend that everyone do that. And to all our listeners, as always, thank you for Tuning in to yet another week's episode of the Six or Sense podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Audible, please like, subscribe, leave a comment. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you like, what you want us to talk about. We'll certainly listen. And until next week, um, have a good one, everyone. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.